Coming up on today's BMW Motorrad Ride and Talk podcast, the challenges, the necessary skills, and the joy of being an exceptional motorcycle riding instructor. Take a listen. Over the years, I've had the privilege of riding BMW motorcycles all over the world. And the one thing I've come away with is that the only thing more extraordinary than the ride are the people you meet along the way. These are their stories. My name is Sean Thomas, and this is BMW Motorrad's Ride and Talk. We're here today with the BMW Performance Center. That is Aaron Rankin. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Melinda Justice. Hi. <laughs> and Ricardo Rodriguez. Yay. Hello. As a longtime instructor, I'm fascinated by what it takes to be an exceptional motorcycle riding coach. Conveying knowledge to a student in a way they can understand is a difficult and exciting challenge. While at the BMW Riders Association rally in the USA, my producer, Louise Powers, and I sat down in front of a live audience with Aaron Rankin, Ricardo Rodriguez, and Melinda Justice, all senior instructors at the BMW Performance Center in Greer, South Carolina. Together, we discussed many aspects of motorcycle coaching, emerging technologies, changing demographics, and the importance of coaches being students as often as possible so the experience of learning something new is always fresh in a coach's mind. There's an interesting thing here, you guys, because I've worked for training centers before, and I know that there's a lot that goes into doing what you do. And it's a lot that happens in the background that people don't see and they don't understand, and they're not supposed to. They're supposed to just go there and have fun. That being said, you really seem to legitimately have a good time in all aspects of your job. I know there's drama. There's always drama in every little bit, but there doesn't seem to be much there. How is it that you feel that you're able to keep such a positive environment there? Well, I mean, Sean, one of the things we always look for, and it's always been our philosophy, is our instructors are selected for personality first, Hmm. riding second. Because we can help you with writing. That's kind of what we exist for, right? Yeah. Uh, but personality, that's, that's a little, that's, that's a big ask. But if you come in with that right positive, and but what happens, we all, this is a passion for us. Yeah. And beyond motorcycling, it's instructing. And, and that passion is what eliminates the drama and we get to work and we thrive off of seeing the success of the folks who take our class. And this is interesting departure too, because... Most schools that I've been to, and I've been to a lot, it's writer first. So it's oftentimes you're training with somebody that is a professional racer, competitive racer that has retired or maybe is still active. And good riding does not an instructor make. That doesn't mean that it won't be good, but it doesn't automatically mean it will be good. So what is it that you think makes for a good instructor? passion drive you know somebody who's who's passionate about helping others sharing the skill set helping them grow and and loves to see when that light bulb clicks and people are successful racers and not just them but people can be um, very passionate about something but only when it's for their success and we're looking for people that have that passion but for other success and that that's what we're looking for yeah for sure you know and just a love of people in general. I think it just makes a really big difference if you like being around people or if you've been in team sports or you know you like working with the people in the public and and it depends on a lot of like what you do in your the rest of your professional life too. You know when when you're an instructor 
it's more than just relaying knowledge. You're not just a coach. You're a mentor. You're a cheerleader. Uh, you're a confidant. And sometimes you have to bring somebody up that's having a rough time. And I, and I know that most of the time trainings, it's pretty puppies and rainbows, but it's not always like that. And then this to me is what makes a great coach is when you can take somebody that's struggling and make it go, what is your experience with this? How do you feel that you bring a person up when they're having a rough go? Um, I've always said, I want to, inst- I want to mentor or instruct the person who's going to replace me. Hmm. that's what gets me excited. I want that person to be better than I am. And that's where you run into what you were talking about. You get folks that want to show you how much better they are than you, where I'd rather train you to be better than me Hmm. and and, and watch that succeed. And I think that's how we all feel about it. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Ricardo, you in particular, I've I've had an opportunity to watch you coach in the past. And something I've noticed about you is that you will work with a student to try to help them better themselves, but you don't necessarily always pick what you think is the best path for them. And I've heard you go back and go, well, we gave that a go and that wasn't the right fit. Let's try a different path. Tell me about your experience as a coach and and how it's influenced by your experience as a student. So yeah, you know, people come and they have goals, but sometimes how they reach that goal and their expectation of reaching that goal is different. And as an instructor, you have to be able to evaluate that and give them a go at how they think they want to do it. But then when you see, okay, the strengths and weaknesses, and then as a coach, you have to be able to read all that, rearrange it to then get them to that successful spot. Uh, but it may not be particularly in the way that they thought they were going to get there. Belinda, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it's just... It's having a good, positive attitude and sharing that with other people, not necessarily saying, hey, you need to work on this or do this, but tell them the good things that they're doing and really just pour, um, you know, the joy and the love of motorcycles. You know, they wouldn't be there if they didn't love motorcycles and they didn't want to expand that in whatever capacity. Just encourage them, you know, rather than point out things that uh, maybe they need to do better but really point out the things that they are doing well already. It's an interesting balance, isn't it? Because you want people to succeed, of course, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you can't make it too easy because they're learning to do something that's going, might save their lives in addition to make sure they have a good time. And that means pushing people sometimes beyond what it is that they think that they can do as a rider. You have to be the person to push them beyond that. Always. And you have to be the person to carry them through and say, you can do this. That's an enormous amount of responsibility. Well, it leads to one of our coaching philosophies there is that we do a challenge by choice type of instruction to where we tell folks, look, we're going to challenge you. We're going to take you to where you're uncomfortable. But if we reach that threshold that's beyond what you're happy with, then it's challenged by choice. And you get that other opportunity. You can step back. I like to tell folks, they say, well, what am I going to get if I come back a second time? Yeah. And I say, well, you're, you're going to arrive with a new skill set because today you don't have that skill set. You're going to leave here with a new skill set so that when you return, mm. we can build upon that. And, and, and that's just when we see a student struggling, we're struggling too. But our struggle is what is it? What's the magic word? Yeah. What is the magic thing? What is it I've got to say? Because I want this person to succeed so bad. And a lot of times it might be, hey, Ricky, come over here and talk to them. 
maybe they'll listen to you better. You know, it's okay yeah. because we can say the same. Y'all know you can hear the same thing from two different people, and one of them makes sense. Uh, and, and that's okay. I have no problem with that as long as the, the student succeeds. And that's what it's about. And as that part of a, a challenge by choice, and you're saying how you have to carry people through this, we'll get to points where, again, we're pushing you outside of your comfort zone. Mm. And we are there literally. Like when we see everything's coming together, but you're just unsure of yourself, having the right attitude and right words to keep encouraging that person and going, look, everything is looking wonderful. Yes, this is outside of your comfort zone now, but it's well within the skill set where you are right now. And then helping them get past that. Sometimes it's just like fireworks just went off right after that. And But if things go wrong, then what? Then having to pick that back up. And I really like what you said because we're responsible for not only building you, but if in the process of pushing you something were to go wrong, well, here we are back to building you. And that's what, you know, for us, we're so passionate about that. And I really think that's what sets us apart and the way that we recruit being first about personality and how you deal with others Mm. versus your writing ability. Now, we're talking about an easy part of training, which is, in my opinion, is taking somebody that is better than they think they are and allowing their confidence to meet their skill. Now, that's fun. And that's exciting, but there's another side to that too, which is somebody that thinks they're better than they are. And those people, you have to temper them so that they don't ride outside their skill package. What say you about this challenge? See, it is a challenge. It's a challenge to talk about. Um, When we do our class intros and somebody says to me, I've been riding for 50 years. I've got 150,000 miles under my motorcycle. I'm, I'm starting to panic right then and there because I say, this is going to be my, this is my project right here. <laughs> and the, the person beside him, like Brent, who says, I've been riding 90 days. I don't know anything. I'm like, thank you for the blessings that have been bestowed upon me because this person is a sponge and they want to hear it and they're here to learn. This person, I got to get through all that 150,000 miles of bad habits. Well, it's worked this long. You know, tell me, Ricky. Well, you know, and sometimes it's quite easy to get over that, Sean, because, you know, our curriculum steps on itself. You know, it grows as, as the day goes. But uh, sometimes very quickly, someone like that will get a taste of humble pie just in the first few small skill sets and then the good thing is at that point a connection usually happens you can go okay now we're ready to learn right that's right and then we carry on yeah i almost think it's a it's an important part of motorcycling to stay outside your comfort zone you know because there's you're never as good as you ever want to be you know and there's always somebody that's better than you are Mm. you know and having that open mind and willingness to learn from whoever you can, you know, and, and being willing to, you know, listen to what they have to say or, you know, maybe another way of doing something um, to really level yourself up. And that's how you grow and become a better writer. You know, Sean, I, I think you actually have a really good story that kind of goes in line with uh, what, what you're talking about right here. It has something to do, I think, with maybe you taking a class at the Performance Center. He likes the taste of humble pie. Oh. <laughs> so I took your, if you recall, your authority school course, and I took it as a journalist. And, and as a journalist, I was there to write about what I was going to experience in their course. And it's normally a two-day course, yeah? But you gave it to me in one day. And so they set up this course for me. And essentially, the course was, was learning 
low speed handling techniques. And when I say low speed, I mean handlebar locked, and that's not enough. If the bike isn't leaned over and the bars are locked, you will not turn tight enough to make the turn, which this is the kind of riding I love. And they put me through this course, and I was about an hour and a half into that course, and I turned to these guys and I said, you guys, this is pretty elementary school for me. Like, I'm... Right, right after I picked up your bike, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm really glad to be experiencing this, and I'm enjoying what I'm going to write about it, but the truth is, is that if the goal is to challenge me, it's not happening. And about an hour later, after they had adjusted the curriculum to my needs, I turned to them and said, this is too much. You guys, you got to back off a little bit because that's very interesting, isn't it? Because you really are able to scale the training a bit to the needs of the rider. In my case, I needed it to be not quite as hard as you made it, but a little bit harder. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one thing that we can always adjust for. And, and that's another reason why we keep our class sizes small. And we have a great ratio of, of instructors to students. Yeah. Because that way you start you start looking for those skill sets throughout the day because everybody will have a different level of achievement. Yeah. And and where somebody if they can turn if they can make it I had one gentleman, I'll never forget it. He said, If you can get me through a U turn before the end of the day, that's all I care about. Almost every without putting class, my foot down. Somebody I said, Well, that. if I get you to do a twenty foot circle, then that's two U turns, right? And he said, Hmm. By lunch, he did a 20-foot circle. I said, well, I guess we're done with you for today, right? <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, we could do that. But somebody else, a 20-foot circle might mean nothing. Hmm. Like Sean Thomas, it meant nothing. And said, okay, sir, we have 18, 16, 17. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it's, that's, that's the – we just want that person to have that achievement. Now, I, I took my daughter to you, and, and Haley was 15 and a half. She had – got a G310R as a Christmas gift. And I wanted her not to just know how to ride that thing. I wanted her to really know how to manage that bike, not just in a situation where she could get it from A to B safely, but I wanted her to deal with panic situations where something that is unexpected comes at her. And I put her in your care for that. It's not a small deal, honestly, because it's my little girl we're talking about here. And I put her through one of your private classes. And it was really interesting about that is that it was clear to me about a third of the way through her training with you. And don't take this the wrong way. But it was clear to me that it was, it was a mistake. And, and the reason it was a mistake to send her through a private one-on-one -on -one training is that she didn't understand that her skill set was actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. But she didn't know that because she didn't have anybody else to compare herself against. And two days later... She went through the same training, but with a big group of people. And she went through that training with other riders. And she came to me about an hour and a half in and she goes, dad, these people are terrible. <laughs> They're not terrible, Haley. They're just learning how to do something new. She goes, but some of them have been riding for 25 years ago. It doesn't matter. There's always something to learn. And I promised you when you took your private that you falling in your private training is not a big deal. People fall all the time. You just didn't see other people fall. So you didn't realize that's not a big deal. She goes, oh, I like this much better. And that, and you're right, because that really helped her confidence that much more. Like the next day, when she saw that and was around that, she was much more like, like popped yeah. up springy. I'm like, there we go. Yeah, she still talks about it to this day. Yeah, confidence awesome. is something we battle with, you know, all riders of mm -hmm. any age. You know, it's it's instilling again that 
that confidence in you that you can do this and and the positivity and and really encouraging people to do things that they don't think they can do. Now, Melinda, you in particular, you've been at the Performance Center for quite a while now. I have, yes. And something, there's been a phenomenon that has occurred in the last few years that is quite extraordinary, and that is the percentage of women in motorcycles in the United States. Now, worldwide, women in motorcycles account for about 5%, but in the USA, they account for almost 25% now. Around 25, yeah. Massive amount of people. As a female instructor, do you find that women coming into motorcycling have require a different type of coaching? Do they have a different mindset? Where is it at compared to your male students? Yeah, women definitely learn differently. Hmm. And you ask any of our instructors, and we absolutely love women students. Hmm. They tend to listen very, very well. Um, they come in more willing and open to suggestions and to learn. They're really encouraging of their peers and of each other. But there's so many more women that we see now than, than even just a couple years ago. Mm. Um, and it's great to see because as a woman in motorcycling, of course, I want all the women in motorcycling. You know, and, and we are a smaller percentage, but it is growing very, very quickly for sure. I'm curious. You know, one of the movements that's come from a growth in of women in motorcycling is exclusive women classes, the women's only riding. Do you feel that there's a major difference between taking a, an exclusive class like that versus co-ed classes? Um, Curriculum-wise, it's not, it's not major. There mm. are some changes. Uh, there are things that women want to learn more of, uh, to do more hands-on. Mm. Um you know, physical limitations and things like that make it harder for us to do mm. things that men don't struggle with. Um, so we spend more time on things like that. But the classes themselves, the atmosphere is very different than regular co-ed classes, if you want to call them that. You know, like I said, just the encouragement, the camaraderie between each other. They ask lots more questions. They really want to clarify, you know, what you're telling them and how to do it. And they really soak it up and they, they tend to perform very, very well because of that. Now, Ricardo, you recently engaged in a ride uh, called Backcountry Discovery Route. And it's a nonprofit in the USA that, that finds routes to ride in different states in the USA. Yeah? Now, something interesting about that is I happen to know that when you were on that ride, you had your own set of challenges, as we all do. But you were riding with a group of people. You're not there to teach, and you're just there to ride, and you had to deal with your struggles. I'm really curious about that. How does it feel, and how does it affect you as an instructor to go through riding and have to deal with your own challenges and overcome them? Aaron's smiling because he knows me very well. Uh, first off, as typical, I'm super hard on Ricky. So I, I'm very quick to... Uh, sometimes be negative on myself mm -hmm. i had to call aaron and said hey I, i'm struggling out here i was felt like a fish out of water and especially because you know i arrived there and people like man ricardo rodriguez bmw performance center international instructor blah 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 and so i already felt like i'm being looked at a certain way mm. and uh i got out there and in the desert especially the first three days i struggled it wasn't for a lack of skills it was just like I felt like I was out of my environment. Hmm. I got out of my fishbowl and went into the ocean, right? Yeah. But um, 
you know, I just had to at one point just take a big deep breath and go, look, you have all the skills, just relax and ride. But uh, there was a couple times I called Aaron and said, dude, we're going down the desert. I'm doing 70 miles an hour and I'm at the back of the pack, like, <laughs> which was humbling, right? Yeah. And because uh, I was with a, a phenomenal group of riders, everyone who was there, aside from just being just amazing human beings, they were amazing riders. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, I just had to uh, get out of my own head and go back and hey, all the skill sets, you know. And there was a, a positive crescendo to that story because after a few days, you got into your your zone. Yeah. So eventually, we made it to terrain that was like my back door, and then all of a sudden, I'm at the front pushing the lead and he's like hey man we need you to slow down a little bit and i'm like oh well i'm sorry we're now in my element right so but uh i had a phenomenal time and uh it was humbling and refreshing and gave me i think for me a feeling of man this is what it's like to be somewhere and feel like you can't succeed at something and then applying a skill set and becoming successful and for me the bdr was like a challenge reward challenge reward challenge reward and there are people that, you know, will look at that and go, man, but you wrote all the expert sections. You did every piece of it. You know, again, it wasn't because I couldn't do it. It was just I was uncomfortable in the moment. But, yeah. This is such an important and I think underrated element of being a coach is that coaches that are very good at their craft often forget what it means to struggle. And their threshold for fear has gone so high that it's out of sight for the beginning rider. So I think it's really important as instructors to put yourself in a situation where you are over your head and you are scared and you have to make your way through or you have somebody that can coach you through so that you can be a better coach and you can remember what it means to be a student again. And, you know, during that BDR, uh, Tobias uh, from Germany or Austria um, he's also an international instructor with Boaterad, and I found myself in the evening going to him and going, "Man, we're riding together. What do you see? What am I not thinking of, or what am I doing different on the bike?" And uh, feeling like the student again, and going to a coach and going, "Hey, help me out." Now, you um, are a graduate of the International Instructors Academy through BMW. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and I, I am as well. And I found that class to be very difficult. Not just because it was demanding in terms of a rider, but it was demanding in terms of the knowledge that you have to have and the coaching skills that you have to have. That's tough stuff. Yes, it was. It's not just, it's not good enough just to be a good rider. There were people there that were amazing riders that they didn't make it through the class. Well, you know, for, for that, I was the only person without a professional riding background, hmm. but I took top rider both on-road and off-road top coaching but i'm sitting next to pablo berardi a, a world champion racer wow and all these folks i'm like oh my god but that just goes to show you know it's not just about the riding i uh, trained with uh, uh dylan code from the california superbike school and and he said to me once something that i never forgotten he said if you want to learn how to play golf do you want to learn from tiger woods or do you want to learn from tiger woods's coach and i thought oh that's a good question because doggone it, just because he's good at it doesn't mean that he's good at teaching other people how to do it. And that is a critical element that is often forgotten because it gets whitewashed over by the fact that they're very good riders. So they must, by translation, be a good coach. I had an incident going back to police days of a chase and another police car took me out. 
Whoa. I mean, it happens. And the chief said, well, you're a driving instructor and you crashed in a chase. How does that look? And I said, do you want to be taught by someone who's never crashed? Or do you want to be taught by somebody who has? Because if you've never done it, how can you tell me what it's like? How can you tell me? And that's what I love. And that's where that's where this all comes together for us is, again, it's just watching folks who when that light, they can see it. And as an instructor, we can see it. And you see it in, in their whole body lights up hmm. that they've accomplished this. And, and, and that's where it comes from. But, man, I mean, my best lessons are my mistakes. It, it wasn't the perfection. And, and that's what we run into. That's why we do personality first. Because as you said earlier, uh, some people are just naturally talented. Hmm. But they don't know how to instruct that. Yeah. They, they, just, they just have it. Um, and, and, and that's what, I, that's what I like. And we surround ourselves, you know, the, the team that we select that Ricardo and I select, we surround ourselves by like-minded folks who want the same results. And, and we build a team that people talk about it and they say, man, when I came there, I never felt like I was put down. I never felt like it was ever negative. It was always positive, 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 even at the smallest little thing. But that small little thing is a stepping stone. It's a win. Yes. Yeah, a so. win's a win. I actually have a story. I just did a, a private class with a young lady um, last week. And, you know, she, her husband rides and all his friends, and she's trying to get to their levels so that, and all kinds of good stuff. And we actually had this conversation about when you've been doing this for so long, you know, you underrate like those, the little things that build into this for us is a simple skill, you know, but for someone that's not done this, that has 200 miles experience, the things that you automatically instinctually do, they don't know what those are. They don't understand that. So really breaking it down granularly so that they can understand and put that together and not know just what to do, but why. I love that. I love knowing why. Digging deep, beyond just the simple, you do this because it works. Why does it work? Which brings me to another bit uh, that I think is quite challenging for you. So there's a lot of technology on modern motorcycles. You have to know what the tech is on all of the models in your range. You have to know how it is different from tech in previous models and previous range. And that's a lot of stuff. And I'm just talking about the four core ones, throttle response, anti-lock brakes, traction control, suspension, just the, and there's more, there's so much more. How do you keep on top of that stuff? We call you. <laughs> we call Sean Tom. Yeah, we say, uh, Sean, can you give us a class on rider modes? Thank you. Uh, but no, um, it, you're spot on. And I'll tell you, i tell you what gets us, Sean, hmm. is we know our students. Some of our students come in with the manual and, and we'll say something and they're literally over there in the manual going, hmm, page 54 says. <laughs> and, but, and we have to know what page 54 says in mm. a way. But technology has really changed. Ricardo can talk about this as well, but it, it's changed. It, we've even had to change our curriculum 
somewhat. We had to tweak it because of technology because one of our technologies is turning ABS on and off so you can experience both. You can't, you can't do, do that, that anymore. anymore. Not right. all motorcycles you, are equipped. You can't do that anymore. So we had to kind of change how we do that. But Ricardo has been at the at the Performance Center the longest, so he's seen the most people. But, uh, you know, talk about that. From 10 years ago, the rider that came in with a bike that didn't have all this stuff, and now. Well, aside from uh, – the technology changes uh, one of the things that i've noticed about for us in adventure riding is getting the younger riders in mm. you know for the longest time the folks who are there are the folks who are in a different place in life financially so on and so forth and can afford to be number one buying the motorcycle and then taking this type of training and it seemed like the adventure world there for a while was just really a whole bunch of old folks but the demographic of folks that are coming in, we're seeing younger riders coming in, but then to the technology side of thing is, you know, how the technology has changed drastically mm. and the, the safety specifically, you know, where, and, and Louise was telling a story earlier, you know, about, Hey, when was the last time or you have to say it because I don't want to mess up your words. No, we were talking <laughs> about how it used to be that when we were coaching years ago, we would, we would ask, okay, how many people have heard that if you use your front brake in the dirt, it means certain death? And it used to be that everybody in class would raise their hands, like, oh, God, don't touch the front brake in the dirt. And these days, we, we still ask that question. Okay, has anyone ever been told that if you use your front brake in the dirt, that it's all going to end in tears? And now we get maybe one or two people... But the knowledge has changed. Everything that's available out there has changed. So students have changed. Knowledge and the technology. Because there was a time that now we have Enduro Pro that allows you to turn off that rear ABS, but the front's always on. Where back uh, previous generations, if you wanted the ABS off on the rear, you had to turn it all off. So that front brake would have been that sudden or that certain injury. Mm. Where today, the technology has advanced so much in safety that now you always have that so you can push students to a different level because of the technology and students are willing to also follow you to that next step. I had an experience only recently that really stuck in my craw and I was on a ride with a group of riders and, and we had stopped at the base of a hill climb and the guide in our group said, okay, we have a hill climb coming up. It's rocky. Turn off your traction control. You don't want your traction control on for this. It's going to do nothing but hurt you turn it off and make this climb. And I sat there and went, that is wrong. That is wrong. The traction control only help you in that situation. You don't want your rear tire to be able to spin as hard and wide as it can. You want it to have some level of control. And I remember asking myself, like, why are you asking that? Why are you making that statement? That's not right. And what I learned was, is that because there are so many different bikes from so many different years with so many different types of tech, that it's just easier to say if you turn it off, every bike will generally run the same way versus knowing this Model. bike, it's okay to leave it on, but on that bike, you should turn it on. That's a lot of knowledge that you have to carry just within BMW, let alone all of the other manufacturers out there. That's right. And, and, that, and that's, that's what we deal with because the thing about the Performance Center, yes, it's called the BMW Performance Center, but we have riders of all brands Come and take, and that's what we love is, yeah, if you ride our bikes, it's a BMW, of course, but what we teach you is universal, hmm. and it doesn't matter what you go out in the parking lot and get on. Uh, you know, it, it does not matter because you take that skill set with you. Um, so, yeah, trying to figure out all the different ones that are out there, uh, it, it's it's just at a new level. So in our training, we focus on the training. 
on the skill set. Where can we learn a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and what you offer? So um, we've updated our website, uh, bmwusrideracademy.com. You can read all of our courses that we take. I think the three of us actually made the headshots. So there's a whole lot more of us now, but we got to add to that. Uh, learn a little bit about there, ways to contact us. But listen, uh, you know, if there's one thing any of us will share, you know, our business cards have our personal cell phone numbers on them. I did not know that. Yeah. Personal yeah. cell phone numbers. Who does that? We do. Because if you build that relationship, that's what it's about. I mean, because we, we tell everybody who's come through our classes, you're now alumni, you're family. You're a family. You're a family. Come on. It's part, it's part of it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times the phone is rung or somebody sends me an email with a picture of this hill they just accomplished. No, and that's I'm, cool. I'm not going to say that I remember that person, but obviously we had an effect on them somehow. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My friends, thank you very much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you, everybody, and thanks to the BMW ROA for having us. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you for having us. Right. We very much hope you have enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you, so please comment and share your thoughts about this podcast. We have many more on the way, so please subscribe, follow along, and share your requests for future episodes of the BMW Motorrad Ride and Talk podcast.